Hey everyone, it's Stephanie, Stephanie K to be exact. And this episode, I'm going to kind of lean into my HR background. So I worked in HR for eight and a half years for a major corporation, and I enjoyed it. And one of the aspects that I loved about the job was being able to coach and train new management or aspiring management on different business skills, chief among them communication. And so we're going to focus on effective communication as it relates to public speaking. For some of you, the thought of giving a speech publicly makes your palms sweat. It makes your stomach do flip-flops. I mean, all kinds of physical reactions occur. It's proven. It is a known fact that many people have a physical, very real reaction and fear of speaking in public. And this can come from a variety of experiences, past experiences, whether it be from our early days in school when the teachers might have made fun or our classmates may have made fun of us. And yes, sometimes maybe the educators or whatever, or not made fun of us, but made us feel self-conscious about how we present or how we speak. Some people with language uh, differences or speech impediments, those people might not feel as confident in getting up and speaking. I know that if I lived abroad and that language was not my first language, I would absolutely be self-conscious about the way I spoke, especially if I'm speaking in a language that was not my first or my native language. Sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes we come from different backgrounds. I come from the Midwest. And so there's different linguistic type of things happening that might not exist outside of where I was born or where I grew up. So there's all kinds of factors that play into how we communicate with others, especially in a verbal setting or in a formal presentation setting. So some of the tips that I have used to help me navigate through this. Yes, I still get petrified. I get afraid. I remember I was giving a speech and I was prepared and I got up in front of the audience and this is a this was a familiar audience and for whatever reasons I could not explain it I felt like I couldn't catch my breath I felt winded I felt as if the floor beneath me was about to collapse I don't know what was happening, but something was happening and I could not explain it. Like I said, the previous day and the days I was presenting for a meeting and I was actually presenting benefits content and I had prepared for this. I had prepared for this days in advance. So I was pretty sure what I was going to say. I was, like I said, familiar with the audience. So there was no logical reason in my mind that I would be nervous in front of this audience, the same audience in front of which I have made many presentations before. Well, this day, I may as well have been Nikki New Girl. 
because it's like I opened my mouth and there was no sound, like nothing came out. And I just, whatever. And it felt like those few seconds or possibly minutes, it literally felt like I was standing up in front of that conference room for an hour. And I just felt like I froze. Now, in actuality, I found a way to just kind of keep talking and, you know, started just saying things to like as an opener until I recalled what I was trying to do. So I just used that experience to say that even seasoned people, even people who do this as a job, yes, we get nervous. Yes, we sometimes it could be looking out into your audience and there's someone sitting there that you did not expect. Sometimes that can knock you off of your game. So let's talk about what are some of the things that you can do. You can first you can prepare. What are you going to talk about? You don't need to necessarily be an expert in the subject that you're going to speak on. You just should be very familiar with it so that you can talk about it in a way that people understand. The best example that I would give and the analogy that I always used is if I were going to give this presentation to someone who did not work here or who was not familiar with this topic, what would I say to them? And I usually had what some people refer to as an avatar or an actual person that you can use as your test person or your test audience member. What would you say to that person? What would they need to know? So if Let's use the example that I gave earlier. I was giving a benefits presentation. Okay, so if I'm talking to someone, well, what would they want to know? Or let's take it a step further. Maybe you don't use like an avatar or a test audience member. Maybe you put yourself in the audience seat. So if you were receiving this presentation on your benefits, what would you want to know? What you'd want to know, first you want to know what's changing, if anything, and just an outline of what those changes would be. Second, you'd want to know if there was going to be any additional cost and a synopsis of those costs. Next, what other relevant information do they need to know? Well, it would be helpful for them to know What do they need to do to sign up? What happens if they don't sign up? What are the requisite timelines that they need to remember so that they can make their allocations? So if you can keep those particular details at the forefront of your presentation, you're already off to a magnificent start because you're being helpful. Now, some people would say, Well, if I had a lot of questions after my presentation, maybe I didn't do a good job. I actually would offer a different perspective. I actually think that you, that questions, inviting the audience members to give you questions or to have questions after your talk or your presentation, 
that is actually a good sign because it means that your audience is engaged. It means that they want you to tell them more. It seems as if they do see you as an expert. All of these things are exactly what you want when you're giving a presentation, if you are trying to give an effective presentation. Next thing is to be honest. So when you're doing the Q&A, if you don't have all of the answers, don't wing it. You might not have all of the information. Again, if you're talking about something like benefits or compensation, those can be very broad subjects to cover in a limited amount of time. And so you don't, the worst thing that you can do as an SME, as a leader, the worst thing that you can do is give bad information. You just don't want to do that. So it's better to say that you don't know. It's better to have resources available or to be able to share resources so that if the audience wants to know more information, you can point them in the right direction so that they can get the answers that they need. So you always want to keep at the forefront of your mind, your credibility. You want to be informative. You want to provide a helpful message. You want to make sure that you cover all of the key points that you need to cover within the time frame that you have. Again, you might not have time and you have to anticipate that you might run out of time. So if you can plan at least your top five points that you want to cover during your presentation, that would be great. And then you can invite the audience or individuals to approach you for sidebar questions. The next tip I'm going to give is about platform skills in and of themselves. So how we present, how do we look when we present? So there's different ways to do this. I would say one way, we all, most of us have smartphones or access to a camera. You don't have to have somebody do it, especially if you're very nervous about speaking or you're a little self-conscious about that. I totally get it. Again, I get self-conscious too. It just happens. And like I was saying earlier, sometimes you can't even anticipate when that's going to happen to you. So if you can get a little tripod or someplace where you can put your camera or your camera phone up and you can record yourself because it's very helpful to do that. I remember that when I was given an effective presentation training because I was going to actually give this training to other team members. Well, and I really thought that this was a great component of the training for me as a professional was to go through the training that I was going to put somebody else through, right? How can you tell somebody what to do if you've never experienced it? Or again, we're talking about credibility. Well, you have a lot more credibility when you've done something that you're going to ask someone else to do and you're going to coach them and provide them with feedback on how they did afterwards. So set up a camera 
and film yourself giving a presentation. It could be a five-minute presentation. It can be a three-minute presentation. Whatever it is you can stand, it can be about anything. You can read uh, from a, uh, if you can find a user manual in your home and you just, even if you have to have it in your hand and you have to just pretend like that's something that you're going to present. Or you can get a magazine article and you can present pretend as if you are giving that article as a presentation. The point is you want to see what you do naturally. I remember when I had to do this exercise, I was so surprised at the things that I did without even knowing what I did. And what I mean by that is, so when I was standing there giving my presentation, I shifted back and forth from side to side. If I didn't have anything in my hands, I would fidget. If I had on rings or if I had some jewelry on during the presentation and I wasn't even aware that I was doing it, but I would fidget or play with my jewelry. So these are things that you want to be mindful of, especially as you grow and you want to enhance your presentation or also known as platform skills, you want to be mindful of what you do, your nervous tics, whatever you want to call those things, you want to be mindful of the things that you do naturally. Do you fold your arms? That's something that is considered a no-no because it appears, body language speaking, it appears as if you're closed off or it appears as if you are not receptive, especially if you inadvertently fold your arms when you're giving a, or if you're taking a question and answer, you're doing the question and answer portion of your presentation. That might be your default stance, like you just feel comfortable crossing your arms. But again, it is commonly perceived that we are being defensive, that we are not open or receptive to questions or feedback when we are in that stance. So you want to be mindful of that. You want to be mindful of where your hands are. You want to be mindful of whether or not you play with your hair. You just want to be mindful. And it's not to be self-conscious about it. It's just to be aware of it. And if it's something that you think, or if you recording yourself giving your mock presentation, if it's something that distracts you, then it would more than likely distract the audience. So that is a great tip I think that I can share. Another tip is you want to be yourself. You Yes, we have people that we look up to and people that we admire and we want to model ourselves from them. But what makes a speaker effective What makes a speaker relatable is someone who is being themselves. So if you are someone, you would have people, for example, the experts, they would say, well, you really shouldn't speak with your hands. That's distracting. But some people, that's how they communicate. They do it. This is what they do. And for them to do otherwise would seem stoic. It would seem fake. It would seem as if something was wrong with them, actually, that they're standing there 
arms to the side as if they are in the armed forces or something just, you know, a natural stance for them, you know. So be mindful just as long as it's not distracting. As long as you're not moving your hands and you have a bunch of bracelets or jewelry on that would make a lot of sound that would take attention away from your presentation. You don't want anything or very minimal things to take away from your presentation. So be mindful of body language. Be mindful of your voice. You want to be able to make sure also, depending on your room. So it's always good, again, a part of your research, in addition to knowing the content that you're going to share, is to know where you might be presenting. If you're going to be in a smaller room, okay, that means that you'll want to be prepared that you might have the audience I mean, now we do socially distanced type seating in most places, but traditionally, if it's a smaller space, the audience might be seated in a more intimate way. So you might want to be prepared that as soon as you walk into the room, there could be a seat or a seating where you're just really probably six feet away from the, the audience. So you want to be mindful of that or Are you in a larger room where people are far away? And what that means is that you would need to project. People have different timbres to their voice. Some people speak very loudly. Some people have to do a little bit more to project. But what you want to do is make sure that you're speaking in such a way, especially if you don't have a mic, you you might want to be prepared that you won't have a mic, depending on the setting. And then you also want to always be prepared that technology might not work. So you could have all of the sound equipment and some of the best sound techs around, but anything could happen to the sound. So you might have to rely on your voice. So if you are in a larger room or setting, you want to be mindful that you project your voice as best as you can all the way to the back of the room so that the people in the back are able to appreciate and benefit from your talk as much as the people who are sitting directly in front of you. And you want to just be human. Take your time. Breathe. When I was a theater major, one of the things that we learned was to keep going. Because with very few exceptions, whether like, for example, unless you're performing Shakespeare or a play or a piece that just about everybody knows, the odds are the audience doesn't know what you're going to say. The only way that I know that you made a mistake is if you say, oops, I made a mistake, which sometimes we do because we're nervous and that's fine. But as you continue to practice, because I am a firm believer that practice makes permanent, that as you continue to give talks, you will get more comfortable Or you will learn how you can improv 
if you forget your place or if for some reason, no matter how hard you try, sometimes you just forget the information. So you find a way to pivot. You find a way to maybe talk about something else or maybe while you're trying to remember what your next statement or your next point was going to be, maybe that's a great time to insert some questions from the audience. The main thing is the audience more than likely is more friendly. They want you to succeed. And even if you don't feel that way, sometimes you have to psych yourself up to believe that. You have to build and say to yourself, build yourself up and be confident. And confidence is something that comes from doing things that make us proud. And if you get through something that you didn't think that you could do, you can't help but to be proud of yourself. And you will remember that the next time you have to get up and you have to talk, the next time that you have to share. And you being there, you have no idea who else sees themselves while watching you. They're saying, and not in a shady or bad way, but they're saying, you know what, if Stephanie can get up there, I think that we're pretty similar. We kind of have a similar background or a professional background or whatever. I can relate to her. So you know what? If Stephanie can do it, maybe I can do it. And other people who also have stage fright or fear presentation or giving giving presentations, those people will totally be on your side because they understand how hard that was for you to get up, to show up and make it through that presentation without passing out or just walking off the stage or walking out of the room. They give you so much credit. And so what I've done is the times that I feel the fear. And like I said at the beginning of this talk, when I felt that fear and when that fear was trying to take me out and I felt like that fear in that moment was trying to take me out, I grounded myself I place my feet firmly on the ground. It's like I put the soles of my feet as deep into the floor as I could. It was almost as if I was putting my feet and trying to leave my mark in cement. I grounded myself. I took a breath. I took several breaths. And I decided to use that pit in my stomach that uncomfortable feeling, I decided to let that catapult me forward. I used that fear because usually all the fear is in that moment, it's just energy. It's maybe misplaced energy or it's something, but it's something that you can use. So use it. So I found my voice. I might've started off kind of shaky, but I was like, no, I'm here. They need to know what I have to say. They don't know what I'm going to say. They have no idea what I plan to say to them. Yes, they looked at the same material as I had, but guess what? They want me to break it down and I'm going to break it down in a way that only I can. 
And so I did. And I gave it my best. And I answered the questions as uncomfortable as it was. I answered the questions that I was able to answer in that moment. And any other questions, I invited them to put those in the proverbial parking lot. And we could discuss those later. You can do this. Those of you who are afraid of public speaking, I see you, I hear you, and I do understand. I overstand. And so many other people do. But as someone told me about something that I was going to embark on, the person said to me, Stephanie, you can't let fear. Fear is not a good enough reason for you not to do what you need to do. And so I give that pearl of wisdom to you. If it's something that you want, you can't let fear stand in your way. You have to know the difference between fear and danger, of course. But fear, unless it's something that is going to be detrimental to your health or to your well-being or the well-being of someone else, You cannot let fear stop you. You can let it pause. You can allow it to have you proceed with caution. But don't stop. Use fear and don't let the fear use you. And that will build your confidence. And once you are more confident in this area, you will be unstoppable. I hope that this helps. See you on the next episode.